Today, uh, we will be hearing from John 8 and 9 from Pastor Addison. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I come from and where I am going, but you do not know where you come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law, it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing the word of the Lord. Be to God. Let's pray. Uh, Father in heaven, uh, we thank you that you have gathered us under your word yet again this Sunday. And not only us, but the, the whole family of God joined in all nations in such a diverse set of contexts, worshiping you in all sorts of languages. And God, we pray that you would bless us here as we receive your word, as well as our many brothers and sisters who are scattered throughout the nations. God, and we remember that you speak a better word, that you give us Jesus in your word. And so would you till our hearts, would you humble us to hear uh, through your vessel, Pastor Addison, this morning? Uh, God, may we give ear to the things that you are teaching us Lord, we, uh, we surrender this time, we surrender our hearts to you, in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, there's this great scene in Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, where Harry, our protagonist, is surrounded by darkness. He finds himself next to a lake, surrounded by these creatures that embody darkness. I mean, they really are just this representation of darkness. They're called Dementors. And what you need to know about them, uh, just amongst other things, is that they literally will suck the life out of people. And the way that this is visualized is, is really, I think, quite interesting and good. 
when they're uh, doing this, they're sucking the light. There's these little wisps of light that are coming out of people. You see, they are the darkness, and they are trying to snuff out light. Of course, there's lots for us to learn there, but in the scene as Harry is laying there, not sure what to do, surrounded by the darkness, the darkness is overcoming him, but then alas, a light shines pushes back, repels the darkness, reveals truth, and it gives Harry life. There's lots of themes throughout Harry Potter of light and dark, and this is just one instance. I think it was a great representation of this idea, the battle between dark and light, how darkness is often trying to overcome light, and light insists In fact, indeed, it does prevail against darkness. Of course, this is the theme that John is playing on throughout his gospel. He's helping us see that the light that comes into this world in the person of Christ, it defeats the darkness. It reveals truth for for you and I, for God's people, and it gives life. It's the very light that you and I need life. And so we're going to hone in on John's I am statement, or that Jesus makes this I am statement through uh, the gospel of John, that I am the light of the world of which we've seen in 8 and 9 of John. But again, all of John's gospel has this theme of light. It's in chapter 1 at the very beginning. Chapter 3 and Chapter 7 we see, and 12, it just goes on. There is such connections and such a thread of Jesus as the light of the world and what this means for you and I. So as we continue in this series, we look at Jesus' I Am statement. We just want to ask a question. What is illuminated by this statement? What do we learn about Jesus through the statement that he is the light of the world. And what does that statement mean for you and I? What does it do to our our very daily lives? How does it give us a, a grounding in being sons and daughters of the living Christ? Let me see, you've got three points there in the bulletin. I've changed some of the wording just a little bit, just to make it a little bit more memorable. Jesus repels darkness Jesus reveals belief, and Jesus renews life. Jesus repels darkness. You see, this is a statement that he makes right after he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Again, this light of life is a reference back to chapter 1, where John is sharing about Jesus coming into the world in the beginning. Picking up in chapter 1, verse 4, In him, in Jesus, was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So Jesus comes into the world as light. He comes into uh, creation, of which he was intimately involved, revealed as light in darkness. So we have to ask, 
What is darkness? In order to do business and to truly understand the gravity of Jesus as the light of the world, we need to understand what is darkness. What is it that Jesus overcomes and repels? A few things of note. One, darkness obviously is the antithesis of light. You know, light and dark cannot have a relationship. They're binary, like one and zero. They're opposite. They can't commune together. You can't have darkness and light in the same situation. That's why light reveals things in the dark. Another thing you, we need to learn is just our understanding of darkness and light is we sort of take it for granted. You know, light is accessible to you and I. We flip switches on in a room and it's, the room is illuminated. We, uh, our headlights illuminate at night. The light bulb has changed the way we engage in the world. Before the light bulb, you woke up with the sun and started work and you stopped work when the sun set. Now we have alarm clocks that wake us up well before the sun ever rises, especially in West Michigan, and then well after the sun has gone down. So we have to put ourselves back in the shoes of the people who first heard this and realize that light was a precious commodity. That's why you trimmed your lamps so that they were ready to be burning through the evening. That's why fires were so important and the third thing we need to learn about darkness is that in the scriptures, it's a metaphor for our fallen condition, humanity's condition post-fall. Darkness is akin to sin and brokenness. It's the toil that you and I feel through our work, through our broken and torn relationships and the doubting that you and I have as we engage with people and with our callings, with this very world, there's darkness that surrounds us. Of course, we don't have to ruminate on this too much. It's, it's quite evident to see. Just pick your example. But through the scriptures, darkness is always trying to be pushed back. Think about Genesis 1 when God spoke and light entered into the frame. The expanses were separated and God created day and night. And through the day, he illuminated and created the rest of what you and I have in creation. The birds and the trees, the flowers, all of it only available for us to see because of the light that God provided But not only that, in Exodus, we see a description of the tabernacle, and there's a lampstand that exists within the tabernacle, and this lampstand is lit to illuminate the space, and there's probably a couple of reasons. Certainly, there was a utilitarian use for it. The priests needed to be able to see what they were doing, but beyond that, there's a reference throughout the Old Testament as this lampstand the flame is providing the sense of hope of salvation that Israel longed for. There's a reason why it existed within the tabernacle. This was the place where God dwelled, where God's people came to see him and to be with him. And this flame, these flames of the lampstand represented the hope of salvation through God the Father, the Father of lights. Of course, in Isaiah, there's talk of light talk that we as God's people are dwelling in the darkness and we hope for light. 
We hope for the salvation that light brings, and we hope for it in the way that it impacts our lives. So we need light. We don't need light just because it illuminates our daily business, allows us to get by, but we need the light of the world. We need Jesus who's the fulfillment of all of these different scriptural references. All of our longings that are fulfilled in light are because of Jesus, the light of the world, the light that has life, the light for men. And this is a light Jesus shines. He comes for the light of men. He was, this is a great, you know, this helps us understand who is this for. So in him was life, and the life was the light of men. This is, an, this is really important because Jesus didn't come for just a particular group of people. Jesus brought light for the men, for everyone, for God's people. It's an indiscriminate light. You see, light, when it shines in darkness, it reveals everything. This is a theme we'll pick up on in each of our main points. But here, Jesus comes and defeats darkness and reveals light for you and I, for the world. See, this is a light that is inviting the world into itself. It's a light for God's people. And so what do we do? How do we respond to this light? How do we respond to this truth that Jesus repels darkness? Well, we delight. We delight that this is true. We delight in the same way that you and I delight in the sun in January in Michigan. When it appears in the sky, it's as rare as anything. And we delight in that truth. So we delight that Jesus is the light of the world, that Jesus comes and illuminates for us, pushes back, repels, overcomes the darkness. It's a light that is provided for you and I. It's not something that we earn. There's nothing that you and I can do to get this light. But the Father of lights sends the Son, who is the light of the world, the Holy Spirit illuminates for us our path, how we walk in Jesus. So we delight that this light, it repels darkness in our lives. It repels our sin. We've been plucked from the kingdom of darkness and put into the kingdom of light. God's work for us means our sins, as we have prayed, are forgiven because we're in the kingdom of light for our relationship in Christ. So Jesus repels sin. And it is a light that we take with us when we go out into the world. We take this light that Jesus has given to you and I, and we are the light of the world, pointing to the source of light, to Jesus. So in our daily lives, we we have been given this ability to point to Christ who illuminates the darkness that the world feels. How much more do you think our brothers and sisters, the folks that we uh, engage with on a daily basis, feel the darkness, feel the effects of sin, 
If you and I feel them, certainly those who do not believe and trust in Jesus have to feel it. So we don't point to ourselves. We don't point to our own narratives. We point to the narrative of Christ. We point them back to John. We point them to the Word, the light of the world. So Jesus repels darkness, but Jesus also reveals belief. In our passage, Jesus makes this statement that he's the light of the world and whoever follows me will not walk in darkness but will have the light of life. And then what follows is this dialogue between Jesus and the Pharisees. See, Jesus was in a public place. If you remember at the end of our passage, the words he spoke, he spoke them in the treasury as he taught in the temple. So Jesus was teaching to the Pharisees. Uh, Of course, there were other people there as well witnessing Jesus' teaching. This comes through, uh, just as in John 7, there was a festival going on, there was a celebration uh, happening, and Jesus would have been uh, there for all to see and hear. And so his statement comes to people, and it reveals what they believe. We get a picture of that through the Pharisees who don't believe Jesus' testimony. In fact, they say, your testimony cannot be true. Because you can't make a testimony just about yourself. This is a reference to the law in Deuteronomy where it says that in order to have a valid testimony, you have to have two or three witnesses. And here they say, Jesus, you're one person. You can't make this claim that you're the light of the world. No one else is witnessing to this. See, they were forensically pulling apart his argument because Jesus wasn't just making a statement that he brings happiness and comfort and joy. Of course, he does bring those things, but he was saying, I am the light of the world. I am the source by which you see. I am the source by which there is truth in this world. So when the Pharisees heard this, their ears certainly would have perked up. They would have thought of all those Old Testament references that we spoke of. Jesus is making a claim to be the Messiah. Of course, this is backed up by John in chapter 20 when he says that he wants people to see that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that when we believe in him, we would have life. So the Pharisees, they reject this. They say there's no way that this can be the Messiah. There's no way Jesus can be the light of the world, that is only a title in which the Messiah can make. You see, what they were doing is something you and I often do, is they were checking the source. They were looking at the source credibility. Is Jesus a credible source? And into their ears, he was not. He's a man. They go on to ask, where is your father? They're thinking, look, we know where you were born. Joseph is your father. You're a man. There's no way you can be the light of the world. See, we do this. We check sources for articles that are written, fake news, or we think about peer-edited reviews of scientific claims. A lot of these things have been drummed up in the last year or two. We often are questioning the source I I would go as far as to say that you and I do this in our relationship with Jesus just as much. You see, the Pharisees are a picture of of you and I. 
and the way that we question who is Jesus, what sort of claim does he actually have on my life? Does he have the claim that he's making? Does he have the claim to be the true truth, to be the source of life itself? Because when we walk with him as the light of the world, things are revealed. As we said, when light enters into the darkness, it reveals everything that is there. So when we walk with Jesus, when we walk in the light, our brokenness, our sins, our mistakes, our unbelief is revealed. And there are times that we question, is it really worth walking with Jesus? Because those are hard things to deal with. Trust me, I know I deal with them as often as the next person. Do I believe that Jesus is more than my reputation? Do I believe that Jesus is more than how someone may think about me when I confess a sin that I had? Do I believe Jesus is more than my integrity is on the line because it would be so much easier to lie about my taxes or about my financial statements to earn that little bit of extra money, to live a little bit more of a comfortable life, is Jesus more than push comes to shove? Is Jesus more in my relationships when I'd just rather keep the peace than speak truth into someone's life or to hear truth spoken into my life? See, we question like the Pharisees do is Jesus really who he says he is? The light of the world that reveals to you and I the darkness that exists. But remember, Jesus plucked us from the kingdom of darkness and put us into the kingdom of light. And so we have forgiveness. When we walk with him, it says we will have the light of life. So when we believe in Jesus, we trust in him with everything. We will have life. We will have the light of life. Of course, this is uh, all John's narrative of light. He talks about these different things. You know, Jesus is utterly unique. It's unlike anyone that we have ever witnessed, anyone that the Pharisees have ever witnessed. See, because technically their claim was right. Though Jesus goes on to say, look, it's not just me that claims this. It's God, my Father, Yahweh, the one with whom I am in relationship with. He says, it's my Father that sent me, and he also is the one who claims this. And he bears witness about me. John wants us to see that Jesus is the Son of God, the Messiah, the one who's come. And he reveals our belief. He gives us what we need to engage with and to walk in this way. And so as we ask that question, what do we learn from Jesus? We learned that he repels darkness. He takes us from the kingdom of darkness and puts us in the kingdom of light where we can walk with him in forgiveness that he reveals our beliefs. He reveals what we truly believe to be true about this world and about Jesus, about the claims that he makes. And he also renews life 
for you and me. This is such a beautiful picture here. This is chapter 9, the other passage where Jesus claims to be the light of the world. I'm going to read it just to remind us of, of this narrative. Verse 1, as he, Jesus, passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day, night is coming, when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. There's a lot of remarkable things that are happening in this passage. So Jesus in his uh, entourage at the time see the disciples, they see this man who was blind and they ask him, Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents? See, the belief was that this man was blind because somebody in his family would have done wrong against God or other people. And this was a common belief. Obviously, this is, uh, they bring this up in question form. This has happened a few other times from the disciples. And it's amazing that this man's life, it could have been believed that it would have been this way, that he would not be able to see, he would not have been able to, to earn a living wage, to have a family, he would not have been able to live the life of someone who could see because somebody sinned. You see, but God and Jesus say this, that's not it. It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but rather so I can show you that I am the source of life. I bring about life to those who need it the most, which is you and I. See, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4 that we do not see the gospel because we're blinded by the darkness. See, we need Jesus to enter into their situation just like this blind man needed, to come and to live, to die on the cross, take our sins and give us his righteousness a righteousness which opens our eyes, allows us to see the gospel of Jesus, our King, coming to save us in the great rescue plan, as the Storybook Bible says. That is a picture of what Jesus does here for this man. He gives him life. Think about how this would have transformed this man's world. He couldn't see. It's a little bit of the Messiah's spit in some mud, he was able to see trees, to see people that he encountered on the road, to be able to worship God and to see what it meant to do that in the temple, to see Jesus. He came back and the person that he saw was the Messiah. I mean, think about the life that would have been made for him after this, you see, Jesus renews life. He does this for you and I as much as he does it for this man. See, Jesus renews our life in him. He comes and brings us into the light, giving us 
life, that we may walk with him, that we may become sons of the light, as John says in John chapter 12. That we have life with him, life in him and life with him. We said this, it's an uncomfortable light. It's an uncomfortable life. It's revealed, our sins are revealed to us. We come back to 1 John 1 as we've read in our liturgy that this is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. See, the truth is that we have been given life. We have been given fellowship, as he goes on to say, with one another in the blood of Jesus, his son, which cleanses us from all sin. So if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, this is what life with Jesus looks like when we walk with him. Our sins are revealed as we have said, and we're moved to repentance, to turn from those sins. Because we've been forgiven, we've been counted as righteous. And so we turn from our unrighteousness, we turn to face Jesus, to walk side by side with him, because in him we can deal with the difficulties of the day. See, our life is There's many choices that we have to make. There are many things that you and I have to do on a day-to-day basis. And with the power of Jesus, not our own power, we can handle them. We can face them because it's Jesus that gives us life. The life through the light of men. This is also a fellowship that brings us together. A fellowship or a communion with one another. The gospel binds us together. And we have fellowship as people of the light. So we gather and we reveal this to one another. We shine light in the darkness of our friends. We're allowed to speak truth because the truth is light. And so Jesus renews our life, something that you and I desperately need. So when Jesus comes and says that I am the light of the world, what does it mean? What do we learn from that? Well, we learn that Jesus repels the darkness and that he renews our life and he reveals our belief. And all of this is so that we may be in fellowship with him and walk with him, to trust in him, to bring God glory through our relationship and our working out of this life with Jesus. So, Jesus, the Son of God, the light of the world, is the only hope for you and I and for this world of darkness. Let's pray. Father, as we consider the things that you teach us through your word, we realize that there's so much more than, than one sermon, one text to, to bring about that truth. But we pray, Lord, that you would continue to reveal to us 
the way in which Jesus impacts the very foundation of our life, that in a relationship with Christ given to us by His work, we have the strength, we have the understanding, the belief, not perfectly, to enter into this world, to bring you glory and to enjoy you, to be the light of the world, to take these beliefs, this truth to those who do not know you. We pray, Lord, you would give us the strength and ability to do that, that you would weave into our motivations a motivation of making you known as the source of light, the Father of lights. Lord, we pray that Jesus would be more to all of us, more than our daily situations, more than our beliefs, our own beliefs about the world, more than relationships and work, more than everything. We pray, Lord, that you would draw us nearer to Christ, nearer to the cross. Lord, we pray for those in our congregation that are struggling. Perhaps they're doubting their walk with Christ. I pray you would give them an assurance of who they are in Jesus, this invitation to be a part of his family, grafted in. Lord, I pray for those who are working through physical ailments.